When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Spectrum Internet has enough speed to handle all your needs. So you can work, game, and stream with speeds up to a gig. Plus, Spectrum's advanced Wi-Fi provides enhanced security for all your connected devices. Get Spectrum Internet with fast and reliable speeds, starting at just $29.99 a month with a two-year price guarantee. Visit spectrum.com slash internet for you for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Restrictions apply. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. was traumatic but then the morning of the 14th day when I got in the shower and all of my hair was coming out that was probably more traumatic than even what I had experienced when I first got diagnosed hi welcome back to the uni therapy podcast my name is Kat and I'm the host and well I am literally recording this at it's 10 30 p.m sunday night And this was not the way that I planned doing this intro, but nothing I planned for this episode is going the way I planned it. So basically, I had recorded with my sweet roommate a whole Q&A episode from questions that you guys had sent in. And as soon as we were finishing recording it, the thing that I record on shut down. The file said that they were damaged and we lost the hour of content. We had made and, you know, there's, that's life. There's life. Real, real life. So I had to do a little bit of a pivot because I was not about to make my sweet roommate do that again. And I honestly didn't want to record it again because if we were to do those same questions over, it just wouldn't have been authentic and it would have felt like rehearsed. And I don't think that's fair. So I'm releasing to you guys an episode that I was saving and I was saving this episode because it's really special and it's really good and I was saving it for something that you guys will find out about in the next couple of weeks if not week which I'm really excited about and I can't wait to share I keep I feel like I keep being like we have surprises (laughs) this one is really cool so anyway you're getting the episode with me and my friend Emily Riley who so graciously agreed to come on the podcast and share her story and I don't want to really give any of it away because you're about to listen to it so we're gonna make this short and sweet because I want to go to sleep um but here is my conversation with Emily I met you it would have been a year what it over a year like, when did it yeah like been? July of 2019 okay so yeah. I met you mm-hmm. for the people which this yes. is so funny because in the beginning <laughs> of the podcast, like every guest, I was like, I met you at Psycho Bar. <laughs> and then I had and a that break. That's the beginning of all <laughs> wonderful relationships. relationships. <laughs> so I met you at Psycho Bar. You were a writer. I used to yes. teach there. And I met you at the mm-hmm. like turning point of part of your story, which yeah. I want to talk about. Yeah. But there's more to it because I love that what you just said about having to like lay down an idea of something. Mm which we all do. Yeah. And some of us can, we do that in different ways. Yeah. Some of us can find gratitude in it. Some of us have a harder mm. time, but I almost want you to start. Like, when did you have to start realizing that you need to lay down one dream? And what was the dream in your mm. head? Like, what did you think that moving to Nashville was going to be? That's and then really good. take me through what mm. it turned out to be. Gosh, when I moved to Nashville, I th- 
I assumed that my life would look a certain way because that's how all my friends' lives were looking. Um, and to me, that meant dating someone, getting married, having kids, having a career. And my life moving to Nashville was different in the fact that I needed to heal from th- from some things that I yeah. was walking through before I could get to that point. And not that they didn't have stuff that they were not walking through, but I think the journey with Nashville, when I think of Nashville as a whole, the last, I guess, since I've been here since 2014, yeah, six years, seven, seven years. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. Um, Going on 10 years, which yeah, really sounds yeah. like a long time. <laughs> when I've been here for 10 years, You're, that's when you can say I'm old. That's when <laughs> I need to be like, I'm headed to the suburbs. <laughs> regardless of if I'm single or not, like I do not need to live like off Next Belmont. Of, right. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, for me, I assumed a lot of things that were going, that I thought would happen based off like my age yeah. or my life season. When in reality, my story like needed a lot of healing and yeah. Nashville has brought a lot of healing to mm-hmm. me, um, through a lot of different like mm-hmm. aspects of my story. But, does that answer your question? Yeah. And there are okay. there parts of when you say there's parts of my story that needed healing. Yeah. Did you know that you needed healing then? Or did you realize mm. later that you were kind of like in a mess? Um, later for sure. Okay. So my story, it's, it's funny because, um, a lot of times when I think back on it, mm-hmm. I think if you walk through anything that was hidden, it feels mm-hmm. almost like not distant from your story but you're almost like I don't really remember certain things because of like the aspects like of it. they weren't yeah I was real. pretending like it wasn't real so um where like when I say healing I think what I needed to heal from was I started struggling with an eating disorder when I was 13 years old so obviously really young so young um I remember as a child like I don't even say struggling with my weight, but I was always at a size that was different than the rest of my friends. Mm -hmm. And I was taller. And I remember going to the pediatrician and the pediatrician, like telling my mom, like you need to watch her weight. And (laughs) yes. And I remember thinking that and locking in on that, but I didn't have like an understanding of it. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be like a side funny story, but I love Lizzie McGuire. I mean, <laughs> Hillary Duff. Yeah. I still have heard till this day. Like I follow her on Instagram and it's kind of like, where's Gordo and Miranda? Like you have left them. <laughs> right. Yeah. But so I like loved that show. Mm-hmm. And what it's funny. Cause obviously we didn't have social media back then, but what I loved about like Liz McGuire is because to me perceiving her, she was popular, she was pretty and she was quotations small. Mm-hmm. And so in my mind, I felt like, oh, I've got to be all those things and then I'm going to be loved. I'm going to be accepted. I'm going to be popular. Mm-hmm. So the summer after my seventh grade year, um, it really just began in terms of like trying to change my body. And so from that point forward until really when I moved to Nashville, it was very hidden. So it was more of like a mental struggle than it was a physical struggle, but it was projected physically. And so um, I think people praised me for it and they're just like when I went back to my eighth grade year I think about eighth grade like literally like the summer before my eighth grade year I would I had a certain goal in mind or I had certain things that I wanted to like achieve and I'm like why was I even thinking that like yeah like weight wise yeah weight wise throughout high school the way I got around it I can remember like going on trips or going out with my friends and I would say like oh I ate with my parents and we would go to like my friends had this thing of like going to Chick-fil-A and going to the movies on Friday nights, small town USA. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'd be like, I'm going to eat with my family. And then I would tell my family I'm going to eat with my friends. And so then I would show up at Chick-fil-A and, and you really just want to eat. And then I wouldn't eat. Yeah. And so that started like, obviously a lot of hidden behaviors because then mm-hmm. obviously to your, to you, you think it's hidden when in reality, everyone else around you is seeing that there's an issue. But I was, throughout high school thriving in terms of like socially Mm -hmm. and homecoming queen prom queen the thing that you thought I have Mm -hmm. to look this way and then I'll be all these Mm -hmm. things 
came true essentially exactly they probably weren't as connected as you thought no they, were, they weren't they weren't at all it had nothing to do with like you being skinny me, me being skinny or like my appearance or yeah. like anything about me in terms of like weight or mm-hmm. things that you would perceivably mm-hmm. believe that Liz McGuire in my mind had <laughs> um and so I think it was hidden because people were like she's perfect she doesn't struggle with anything mm-hmm. and so I like rode on that to hide my eating disorder and so went to Auburn and then joined a sorority and lived mm-hmm. with girls like in large groups and I think it was easy for me to hide in those settings because then again it's like it also it's like really normal to use eating disorder behaviors in college oh and, and from my perspective yes. being in a sorority yes and and looking back it's like I don't think I ever thought any of the stuff that I saw was abnormal no yeah it's like exactly. yeah that's what you do to fit into right. your press dress is right. you like drink gallons of water and take diuretics mm. and laxatives for the week before mm. recruitment and now looking back i'm like we were doing what yeah. <laughs> no and i know to fit into a, a press an ugly dress i know to impress yeah. girls you don't know yeah yeah so they can essentially like join Choose your club you. to be yeah. your friend <laughs> yes. like what they don't even know you they don't even know you yeah so i think that hid me in a different way. So my high school friends, I moved on and then I met this new group of people and I was able to hide even more. And I had high school friends that were at Auburn that were precious. And not that my high school friends, I think they probably knew to an extent, but what do you do? Like you, you're not, you're 18 years old. You're not going to be like, I think something's wrong. Like Emily never eats, mm-hmm. you know? And so instead I pushed people away because like the closeness in relationships, mm-hmm. I could only get so close to people because then they'd see your they stuff, would see my stuff. Yeah. Anyways, leading up to like throughout college, mm-hmm. my junior year going to my senior year, I had the opportunity to serve as panel like president at Auburn. Okay, and so that's a big deal. So <laughs> the people might not know what that means. Okay, yes. And I it's like, like the president like, of all of the shorties. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that, I, I want to give context to that because again, it shows like even in like a leadership position, even in like a place where like I had a lot of people watching me, mm-hmm. like obviously like I was a mess. But, but like people didn't see you that. Didn't see, no, they didn't so see that. So you were the pre- like panelic president would be yeah. like the president of the group that yeah. runs all the sororities. Yeah. So the president yeah. of all of this everything. Yeah. So I think at that point Auburn had eighteen sororities, and I think it was like ten thousand women. We were like thirty percent of Auburn's campus. So it's a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so so like, people really trusted you and yes. thought that you had your shit together. Yeah. So like I was being perceived as someone like and everybody knew you. yes and like people that I didn't know like mm-hmm. would say hey to me or like girls even now like I feel like on social media I'll be like I have no idea how to know this girl <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> and oh they, she like, probably your best friend. <laughs> she probably added me during recruitment or not during recruitment yeah. but like after recruitment mm-hmm. and like she was a freshman yeah. and I added her you know and so all that to say a girl that was on my the panelic exec who I became close friends with had struggled with an eating disorder. And one night she just like sat me down and was like, Hey, like, I think there's an issue here. Like I see some similar things in you that I had in myself. And of course I was like, hell no. Like, you know, like, no. And I had certain like food patterns and Mm -hmm. certain like exercise needs that I felt like are exercise requirements Mm -hmm. that my life was planned around. And I think a lot of it was like anxiety and stress from the pressure Mm -hmm. that I was under. But so she had that conversation with me and there was an on-campus dietitian and she's like, you need to go see Jessica Lauren. And I'm like, another hell no. Like I've already, she's going to change all my like ways and I don't need help. And from this point, like I didn't realize that it was an actual eating disorder. And then I graduated in May. And like I said, then I moved to Nashville. Mm -hmm. So I moved to Nashville and then I was living with a family that I was connected to through my Bible study leader at Auburn and just temporarily. And I went to this like young women's gathering. Basically it was like a Bible study on a Thursday night. And I was like my first week here, I've got to just go to meet Mm -hmm. girls. So I go and end up meeting these two girls who became my roommate, which is really cool because like, like one of them is still one of my very best friends, but both, precious girls at that point in my life. So think about, I'm coming off like being well-known in Auburn, hiding in an eating disorder. I moved to a new city, transitioning. I find myself in the pit of like 
everything that I had tried to control mm-hmm. or found my identity in was no longer there. Mm-hmm. I remember walking around the city and thinking like no one for days will reckon like I, knows me. no one knows me. So that in itself is so lonely. And so I think I have such a heart for people who just move here because it's like you're isolated but you're in a city full of a million people you know but like you feel like which is like the scariest it's the scariest to be alone in a group is so much worse than like oh just being alone yeah 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 and so all that to say I moved in with these two girls and we became really close well the aspect of course that I've got to continue to hide is my eating disorder but they both of them had very healthy relationships with food would go out to eat and Mm -hmm. you know a lot of times after work they would invite me to go out to eat and I would just be like I'm going to go like walk seven miles and, you know, Casually. because yeah, that was what I felt comfort in. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like the eating disorder knows me. They don't know me. We were living in like a very small apartment. So again, you can't hide that. Mm-hmm. We're on an adult schedule. So we're all home at night now. And so again, the lying started of like, I'm not gonna, I'm going to already, ate, already or- ate or doing certain things that I think they started to pick up on. And so I'll never forget. It was like, starting to become like the holiday season and frozen had just came out. Um, I know I'll never forget it. And they're like roommate night. We're going to watch frozen and we're going to make cookies and eat dinner together. I panicked. Cause I'm like, I want to watch this movie, but I don't want to eat dinner and I don't want to eat the cookies. And so, and I'm going to pause you because yes, if I'm you s- don't have, if you haven't struggled with an eating disorder. Mm. Like I feel that viscerally of like, Oh my God, how it trapped. Oh, you. I what do I do? Because if you yeah. ate the cookies, I would have a panic attack. Yes, yes. I, could like, pr- I would probably cry. Yes. Oh, I totally felt like tears welling up in my eyes because I'm like, it's dark because it got dark. And mm-hmm. like, because a lot of times my escape was like, we lived on like this area where you could walk safely, but not after dark. Mm-hmm. So it was like dark. So I'm like, I can't leave the house. And they've invited me to this. All that to say that night was a huge turning point for me because it actually ended up that we watched Frozen. I didn't eat dinner or the cookies. And like the movie went off and I remember it was so lovingly. One of the girls was like, Hey, M, like we want to check on you. Like we just see some patterns with Mm -hmm. like food and exercise and different things. You know, can we help you? And I I mean, that's been seven years ago. So I can't remember like the specific thing that they said, but something in my mind triggered someone saw me, you know, whereas I, felt like I was invisible in terms of like with the eating disorder for years. And I contribute like that night. And I don't remember the conversation. I just remember I felt loved, but I also felt scared because I was like, I can't hide this. I now live with these girls. Mm -hmm. So, and I think something was to the tune of like, can we like, we will support you. Like we'll go with you, but what's the next step? Yeah. So ended up getting connected to Reba Sloan who I didn't know that <laughs> yes okay. I love Reba so I so who is that so for she the, for the yeah people. so for the people um Reba Sloan is a wonderful mm-hmm. dietitian went to my first appointment and she assessed me and then I started therapy and went to a physician and went regularly to to see her and so Nashville for me going back to your question about mm-hmm. like what Nashville like what looks different or what did look different about my experience moving to Nashville. I had no idea that that was something that Mm -hmm. I was going to be set free from in this city. And Mm -hmm. I like went through probably three, four years of recovery. And then, which thank you for saying that it didn't happen in like a year. It was, Oh my gosh. Years of years retraining the way you think and see yourself. Yeah. And I think she told me, this is so funny because I think back to this, she said, you know, based off research and based off of like the process that we look at as clinicians that it's like a seven year journey. And I was like, Oh, shoot. So I'm going to have seven you know, years. I'm like, I'm going to be married yeah. and have kids yeah. and like, I don't have time for this. Yeah. And so I say that to encourage myself because I had forgotten even until I'm sitting here with you right now that she had told me like, this is a seven year process. Mm-hmm. And it's all just coming it's together for me. Years. It's been seven. So this year is my seventh year in Nashville. That is crazy. <laughs> and I feel it's like it's a seven, celebration of that. It's a celebra- yeah. yeah. So that happened. And then I feel like I've been walking in freedom really for probably three years. Mm-hmm. You found freedom from it. Mm. That was probably excruciating though. Oh. Because you had to sit and 
with your body's changing and mm. your different behaviors and safe things now you have mm. to let go of and now what's safe and so there mm. is I, I do mm. want to acknowledge yeah. there was a part of your journey mm. that was not fun no but at the same painful. what I'm hearing though is that through that pain we'll use that conversation that your roommates mm. had as an example through the like pain of like oh my god they saw me it also was like oh my god they see me yeah and they aren't seeing me because I have this body or I look this way mm-hmm. or I was being like president yes. or homecoming queen they're, or they're yeah. seeing me because I'm a human they love mm-hmm. and they don't actually care about those other things no and so through the pain mm-hmm. it's like it's painful and it's also like I'm in a lot of pain but I'm also gaining all of this freedom in the fact yeah. that I can actually connect with people for sure because I felt like that's so good to that journey was not easy and it was excruciating because the process of becoming known and loved simultaneously is not easy because no. you have to know and love yourself mm-hmm. first of all. And like, so that, you can show that person. So you can show that person. And so I remember like when I would have like real conversations with people, when I wasn't like just a veil over my face mm-hmm. of like, you're not really going to fully see me. I remember thinking like, I can like love people and know people and they can love and know me. And there's no like bounds to that. So when you live from a place of perception, you can't live Mm. in a place of acceptance because then everyone perceives you this Mm. certain way, but then you can't accept like your own self. Cause then some people think you're one way and you're not one way. So then it's like, Oh, if they percept, they perceive me like this, but like, if I'm not truly like that, I can never accept who I truly am. And I hear this all the time in my office, but I said this to myself, if Mm. like going back to like what we thought life was going to be like in my head, I was like, when I look this way Mm. or when I have this body, then I will be loved. And then I will get the things that I don't have yes. a boyfriend, yes. a family, a whatever. <laughs> yes. I was never further from a relationship <laughs> in my eating disorder no, than I ever totally, have been. Totally. Because I don't know who that person was. And yeah. that person did not know how to connect yes. with people yes. because one, yes. I couldn't have a boyfriend because he would interrupt my workout schedule. No. <laughs> like, you know <laughs> what I mean? So like, so, so true. I couldn't I don't have a boyfriend because I couldn't go to dinner with him. What was I going to order? Right. I'm oh, the weird girl that was word. like, I'll just have, like some ice, like <laughs> literally like it's like, nothing on the net. I, I could have, not have no. somebody take me to a restaurant. No, I've, yes. I have like dating stories, like horror. I can't say her. Horror, horror. <laughs> that is, you know what I had a hard time saying today? Sunshine. I kept being like sunshine. I was sunshine. like, Oh my God. Sunshine. sunshine. <laughs> it was really bad, but no, I bad dating. Yes. Bad dating. And I've never had a boyfriend before. And I'm almost 30 years old. I've dated guys, but I've never had a boyfriend. And I think so grateful (laughs) you're saying, I'm so grateful you're saying all the things. So grateful you're saying that because again, something that I hear over and over Mm -hmm. and over again is people, women, successful, wonderful people like have never dated somebody. It must be because of X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, I'm single. Is that why I'm single? Like one of my favorite questions to ask is like <laughs> when, when women are like, um, well, I'm, I think that if I had this body, then I would be in a relationship. Mm. And I was like, oh, is that why I'm single? Because mm. I don't have that body. And they're like, well, no. And I was like, well, then why does that apply to you? That's so good. And if it was that easy, then like, okay, let's all get on this diet and change our yes. lives. Yes. Cause I think when I go back to the eating disorder, I felt like if I had a certain body or if I looked a certain mm-hmm. way, then like a man was going to love me or mm-hmm. I was going to have a boyfriend. And, but what did that do? It pushed men so further away yeah. because they're like, I remember going on dates and like, I'm fine. Like yeah. <laughs> I'm not You're a shell of a human. <laughs> yes. And then, yeah. So I think the eating disorder almost becomes like, that's your relationship. It's your relationship. And I said, I will yeah. always say like, you can't be authentic and have your eating disorder. No. You can't, it doesn't yeah. work because yeah. you can't show up on a date with somebody and be yourself because you're preoccupied with what you're going to put in your body yeah, and how exactly. you're going to avoid it or how you're going to make up for exactly. it. Exactly. And you're so anxious. And exactly. so like you're dating your eating disorder really. Oh, for and sure. So I am so grateful that you said that because I couldn't sit here and be like, well, this is why you're single because mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with you. Mm. You know, and mm. I think a lot of us are, we just want to find like, what is it? Yeah, like, no, exactly. When I think I'll fix it if you tell me what it yes. is. Okay. Because I, I'm excited to like talk to you about this because I feel like people will ask me or tell me, I don't really understand why you're single. <laughs> and I'm 
like, I don't really understand why you're asking me that question. Right. <laughs> like, why are you single? Like you live in Nashville. You are, you have a career, you know, people. Why are you single? Why are you asking me that? Like, I don't know why I'm single. There's no reason to why There's I'm no single. Reason. And that's what I've had to accept too, of like my Nashville experience, because I think I assumed I would move here. I would marry Luke Bryan. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm really glad that I'm that's kidding. not who you are. With. I'm totally kidding. I can we can edit that out. But I used to love Luke Bryan, and I mean he was already <laughs> like married. But like no, that's but not you're even actually me. Like, that's actually why I moved here. <laughs> not even me. But like I, yeah, I think I'm. I had planned in my mind like I'm gonna get married. I'm gonna have a family, and my life gonna is gonna feel, begin. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna feel. Like I got it when yeah. that all happens. Like yeah. I finally feel okay. Yeah. And I think like driving down I-65 or driving up I-65 North that day, I remember thinking like my life is about to change. And I, I think in my spirit, I knew it was about to change, but I did not expect what that change was going to be. And so I think walking through the eating disorder recovery and then so moving downtown um, in 2017 and then 2018, like I was thriving, I was meeting people, loving life, being like 27, 28, living in mm -hmm. the city. Obviously, like I say loving life in quotation marks because there were struggles along the way with that as well. Yeah, I've been in therapy since mm -hmm. like 22. So mm -hmm. I was struggling with things, obviously, but in my mind, nothing is coming mm -hmm. as something that I can pinpoint. And then the end of 2018... My life seemingly got turned upside down. Um, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin lymphoma in January of 2019. Um, so mm -hmm. how did that process look for you? Yeah. And this is, I know nothing about this. Okay. So this, yes. everything mm. that I'm learning now, I'm learning, I'm learning with the people listening to this. Yeah. So yeah. did, what did that look like? Did you mm -hmm. just go to the doctor yeah. or something happening? Yeah. yeah, no. And I, I'll be completely like, raw and vulnerable with this. Cause I think that's what a lot of people like wonder. Cause it's like, yeah. how did this happen? Like I'm seemingly healthy. Mm -hmm. Um, so this is kind of the funny aspect of it. I think it was the summer. So like May, June, I was going to get a bikini wax. Of 2018. 2019. 2018. No, oh, I'm sorry. 2018. Okay. Yes. I'm like, the years are <laughs> they're all the same. It all feels like 2020 feels yeah, like one yes. long decade. Um, <laughs> And I'm like, like it was 20 years ago. <laughs> like, okay. 20 years ago. No. So summer of 2018, I was going to get a bikini wax and went home and ended up that I got home and like, there was this bump kind of near my bikini line. And I was thinking, Oh my gosh, I bet I'm having an allergic reaction to the bikini wax. And so I put some like Neosporin on it or something. And I remember thinking like, it'll go down, it'll go down. And then I ended up working like a summer camp. Um, and one of the girls who was working with me was an, a nurse anesthetist. And so she was like sharing a cabin and it had not decreased. This was like three weeks later. So I was thinking, I probably have like an ingrown hair or something. It's just like, I don't know how to describe it other than it was just like the size of, it was like a little bump, but not like a pimple. It was like a knot. Yeah. yeah. And um, felt fine, had no issues. And so she looks at it and she was like, I don't know, like I feel like that, you need to just like go get it looked at in case it's infected, like after your bikini wax. And I'm like, okay. Cool. So I like go to the doctor and they're like, mm, like, we don't know what that is. Like, it's not an ingrown hair. You know, we're going to do a um, CT scan or MRI just to make sure everything, like if it's a hernia or some kind of like fibroid, which is like a fatty tumor. And are you like scared at this point? Or are you like, this no, is annoying? No, I'm just like, I don't want to go to the doctor. Right. Cause that's taking time out of my life. So I delayed it. So this was like June. So now July and it still was there. And so I was like, what is this? So I go and they look at it, like I said, and, um, I go for like a CT, you know, an ultrasound. They, I went for an ultrasound and they looked at it and they're like, it looks like it's just like, an inflamed lymph node. And so I thought that's interesting. And they're like, it may be like you were working a summer camp, you know, you, it's the summer you're in the water. It no could just be deal. something, no big deal. So move on with my life. And honestly, like things that fall, like my dad was having health issues. I was concentrating on everyone but myself and it was still there. 
And so my sister's a nurse practitioner. So Thanksgiving. So that that was in that July. Is so long. So long. But did not think it didn't anything get bigger about it. or smaller. It didn't at that point. It was just like there. And so I was like, that's kind of strange. But I think honestly, I'm sure people who've gone through this before or girls I've connected with or people I've connected with who've had this ex- similar experience. It's like it becomes a part of your body that you're like, it's not causing me issues. So I'm not going to do anything about it. To it. Yeah. And so my sister looks at it Thanksgiving break 2018. And she's like, you need to go back to the doctor and get a second opinion. Cause I have no idea what that is. End up. I go back to the doctor one after the other scan and blood work. They diagnosed me with non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And that there was an inflamed lymph node, but that along with like six other nodes all in my like pelvic region were cancerous. But you would, you would have no idea those would were have there. Had no clue at all. And they asked me, so when I was going through that first stages of the process, I would see doctor after doctor and they're like, are you in excruciating pain? And I'm like, I'm not like I have no pain. I have no loss of appetite. I have no loss of weight. I have no like I was asymptomatic in terms of the typical cancer diagnosis symptoms. Like cancer was not even on my, yeah. my radar. Like I was not even like, thinking you weren't about getting it. diagnosed with cancer. That no, day. I was like, they're literally going to be like, this is something we can take out. OK, so when you got diagnosed, yeah. wh- where were you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. OK, thank Wh- you. How, what was that like? I'm at my house. I had got off work and in my room, just kind of chilling after work. And I get a cough and my stomach just dropped, but I answered and she was like, I was like, hello. And she's like, Emily, it's Dr. Goers. And I was like, hi. And she's like, this is a really hard phone call. And I'm like, "Uh, okay. And she's like, so you have non-Hodgkin lymphoma and I'm really sorry to tell you that. And it's, I'm by myself. I'm by myself. It's advanced, but we're, we're going to, we're going to do this together. I'm going to transfer you back to Vanderbilt. You're going to get great care. We're going to take care of you. And I was just like, I mean, I literally could not speak. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I didn't know what to say. Cause I'm like, what do you do? I feel like that's a movie moment when you're like, you've just been told something and you expect it to be one way. But instead, I'm laying in my bed in Nashville, Tennessee, three hours from family. And she's just told me I have cancer and I'm 20 advanced. years old. Yeah. And advanced for the type of, I mean, with, and I can get into like non-Hodgkin, but at that time, I mean, she was like, it's in multiple places. And I'm like, okay, multiple places in my body, multiple. And she's like, no, multiple places within that region. And so um, it was stage two going into stage three, which basically just means like I was on the cusp of like, so yes, advanced because that had been in my body for, and she's like, I remember on the phone that night, she said, non-Hodgkin, it's curable, but it's rapid at the mm-hmm. rate that it's going to spread. And so we've got to get you to Vanderbilt. So in like two hours, I mean, I couldn't even talk to my parents. I actually called my sister and told my sister. And then my sister like went to my parents' house because she lives. So pause. Yeah. I'm pausing. Because this Sorry. is probably, this is also new. So, oh, yeah. I mean, this, it's 2020. This was to 20, 2019. Yeah. Just last year. So I apologize if I'm talking fast. No, that's why I'm <laughs> going to slow you down. It is, what is it? September, 2020. Mm-hmm. This was January, 2019. Mm-hmm. So you get a call from a doctor. Mm-hmm. You're by yourself in Nashville. Mm-hmm. And the doctor says you have cancer and you have to then call and tell yes. your family. Yes. Are you like hysterical? Oh, for sure. So I had okay. a roommate and, and what's, uh, do you so, remember, like, is it, are you blacked yes. out? Like I, I, just, I really, it's funny. Cause I remember the first call I made was to my sister and I said, I could not speak. And I was like, it's cancer. And I'm not saying that to be funny. I'm saying that like, I couldn't, couldn't say, I couldn't even say it. And she's like, okay, I'll call you back. And I'm like, okay. So then it ended up one of my old roommates was a nurse, actually like an oncology hematology nurse, which is cancer. Wow. And so I called her because she knew kind of when this process started, like she was kind of walking with me through it because I was like, they're telling me it could be this, but I don't know if it's this. 
And so I call her and she's like, I'm on my way. And so she got there within like 20 minutes. So like mm-hmm. I had those 20 minutes. I remember laying in my bed and I texted my roommate, my sweet roommate at the time. I just said, hey, like, because she knew also like the process that I was going through. I was like, hey, I just got the call. It is cancer. I don't even know what to do. And she's like, what do you need? You know, she was very gracious in so many ways in terms of like, hey, do you need space? Do you want me to pick up food? I was like, I'm not even sure. And then my sister called me back like 10 minutes later, right before my old roommate got there. And she's like, I'm calling mom and dad. Can you just tell me what it is? And so I told her, I was like, non-Hodgkin lymphoma. And that's all I said. And she hung up the phone. And then the beautiful thing about that is her being a nurse practitioner, she has that medical. Mm -hmm. So she ended up, and my dad's a veterinarian. So he has Mm -hmm. like some medical knowledge, but for animals, she ended up calling them and telling them. And then she told them not to call me because I was just like, I can't even speak right now. And so Mm -hmm. like, it was just the weirdest night of my life. Chelsea, my old roommate, the first thing I said to her when she walked in my room, I'm going to be bald. So that's like your first, Mm -hmm. like for me, like as I was processing, like the trauma from my eating disorder of like the appearance and all that, like I wasn't even thinking like chemo or like what even like my life expectancy was. I was like, I'm going to be bald. So that was late January. And then I started (laughs) chemo, um, the end of February, because there was a lot of process. Um, and this is something I'd love to share. You can cut it off if you, if you want to, but the part of going through chemo that I think, again, like when my life, I thought I was going to look one way coming to Nashville, I desire to be a wife. I desire to be a mom. But when I got diagnosed, I went for my first appointment and they start saying that like chemotherapy can make you infertile. Mm. So I'm like, well, like what? I mean, didn't even know that was a side effect. And so I got diagnosed. I go for my first appointment and then they're like, you can go to Nashville Fertility and get your eggs Eggs frozen frozen or the process and the name. So then I think it was like frozen or yeah, not fertilized. (laughs) No, they were, your eggs are not fertilized. (laughs) But I remember the, the doctor was like, you know, you can, or my doctor was like, you can go there, find out more about like fertility stuff. And so all of a sudden I'm like, I have no boyfriend. I'm diagnosed with cancer. And now they're trying to get me to like freeze my eggs just so that I can go through chemo so that I possibly could have kids in the future. So then all of these dreams laid before me, like just started like slipping away. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm thinking, well, first off, I like want to like live. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I had to lay down those things because I ended up going to Nashville fertility and they were like, it's going to take us eight weeks to do this. And my doctor, my hematologist, who is like a blood cancer doctor, because lymphoma is basically a blood cancer. Um, she was like, you don't have that time. And so I had to then sit and process like, okay, like I desire my life and I desire to be healed. But like that may come with things that I once desired that I may not be able to have the way that I thought that mm-hmm. it was going to happen. So long story short, before I started chemo, went through all of that. And then once I started chemo, that was traumatic in itself just because, you know, you go through the process of like the first time I was there for chemo, um, I had friends come with me my family came up and the nurse was like, I'm leaving. And she's like, okay, I just want to let you know, like on the 14th day, you're going to start losing your hair. And I was like, oh, like, cause I think I may have, I may have asked like, what does the process look like in between my chemos? Cause my chemo was like every third week. And she's like, it's hard, but I think you can do it. But just know like the first round is the hardest because that's when all the effects happen at once. And I remember like 12 days after my first round of chemo, my hair was still like thriving. And I was thinking, I am the one person that's going to go through chemo. I keep and, all my hair <laughs> and not lose my hair. And then no lie, the 14th day I woke up and got in the shower and it was, one of them, like that night when I got diagnosed was traumatic, but then the morning of the 14th day when I got in the shower and all of my hair was coming out, that was probably more traumatic than even what I had experienced when I first got diagnosed. Cause I think I had kind of gotten to the point of acceptance of like, okay, this is the journey I'm on, but then the exterior reminder of the journey, right? Cause like I'd had chemo and then I looked the same mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you lose your hair and then you have that appearance of I'm sick. Yeah. And so again, that hiddenness that came 
or that I like thrived off of mm-hmm. with an eating disorder. And then that, that first round of chemo where I was like, I've had chemo mm-hmm. and I look normal. But then like that 14th day, it was like, all my hair is gone. My identity is mm-hmm. not, I'm not who I am. You well, know? Your identity is like the girl with cancer. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, I'm the girl with cancer who on a Thursday I went to work with hair and on a Friday I had a like little hat and wrap on because my hair was falling out so rapidly. I cannot imagine mm. waking up one day, washing my hair and then it, in a day or two you look yeah. completely different. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Exactly. It's not like your hair thinned. No, no. It's like it was like coming out. Oh. And one of my friends actually does hair out of her garage and she had done my hair previously and I texted her when I was at work because I was going to really try to like people say like when you're losing your hair to do it in stages because it's very traumatic to go from like hair to no hair. Typically people will cut it really short and they'll just like shave it down until it's like all gone. And of course, like an all or nothing me, the mindset. So I ended up like driving to my friend's house in East Nashville and thinking on the way, what the hell is happening to my life? Like Mm -hmm. I'm losing my hair. I'm going through chemo. But I get to her house and she's like, are you ready? And I'm like, I think so. And you're never ready for that moment. Mm -hmm. Like you're never ready. And I think that once my head was shaved, it pushed me into this whole journey of like the girl with cancer. And oh, did you know Emily Riley had cancer? I mean, I want to know for you as you're like shaving your head, how does that shift what you find important? If Mm. important just a couple years ago was this body and this image. right? And then you're sitting there fighting for your life yes. and knowing you're yeah. doing it. So how does that shift mm. your perspective? So I'm about a year and a half out and I am still processing. So mm-hmm. there are some days where I forget I had cancer. And then there's mm-hmm. other days when it's so heavy in my spirit because I think while I was going through that process, I didn't allow myself to process mm-hmm. because you can't because you've got to survive. Mm-hmm. So I just like survive, survive, survive. And then I feel like now I'm really starting to process and I'm really starting to like look back at photos and see how mm-hmm. sick I was. But one thing that I think at that moment when I was shaving my head, I found a lot of identity in being blind Looked, looking a certain way, I felt like that's why people loved me. Mm-hmm. And so in one night, all of a sudden, everything was stripped from me that I thought identified me. Mm-hmm. And that was the most painful aspect, I think, of the journey when I look back now, because it felt like everything was stripped from me overnight. But I was carrying a ton of grief, but also it was like joy was kind of at that foundation of mm-hmm. like, this is exposing not only the bad cancer cells that are in my body, but it's also exposing my identity that your true, identity. my true identity that I struggled with when I was 13. And did you even know what it was? No, no. And so yeah. it's not just hair. Mm-mm. For no. anyone, it's not just hair, regardless of like if you hate your hair or if you love your hair or if it's mm-hmm. curly or straight or long or short, your hair as a woman identifies you in some way. So I think it gave me such a respect for people who maybe have like autoimmune disease mm-hmm. or different aspects of their own health that causes certain types of baldness or causes mm-hmm. certain types of like dynamics that they can't control. Right. And, but it's, it really did bring about because yeah, all the things. And I think that what's coming to me is like, if I, when I, if I had to look in the mirror and you did this, mm-hmm. so you could answer this, like you're forced to look at something else. I can't look um, at my hair for sure. So what am I looking sure. at now? For sure. And that like, what do I see? That is where, what are people seeing? For sure. For sure. And I think I keep saying, I think, cause I'm not sure about anything, but <laughs> Um, you're like, for sure. I'm also not sure about what I'm yeah, about like, to say. For sure. But not for sure. Yeah. I remember I would wake up and I would not recognize myself mm-hmm. for someone that struggled with an eating disorder. And then you walk into like something that strips your body of everything, um, including your hair. It was like all of a sudden I was looking in a mirror at someone that I didn't know, but I had to get to know. And so all of a sudden I'm having to like, love myself Mm. in the mirror when I feel like I look like a rat. But that again was the starting point of like stripping all of that stuff that was built Mm -hmm. up during the 10 years of my eating disorder and then 
rebuilding my identity and that like I am known and loved not because I have blonde hair. I am known and loved because because of who Emily is. But you had to look in the mirror and say, I'm looking at Emily mm. rather than I'm, I'm looking at Emily without her hair. Exactly. I'm still seeing my, I, nothing, mm. like things are changing within me, but the value in my worthiness and is, is, not, is not wavering. It, it is, is so the same hard. as it was when I had blonde hair. Mm. That was long. I don't know how long it was, but. And then now I'm on the other side of it and all the cancer, like it stripped everything from me. It gave me everything in return. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, hard to say because it's painful to say because I wish it wasn't a part of my story but I think we all have things that Mm -hmm. are a part of our journey that you're like I wish that wasn't a part of my story Mm -hmm. I wish it wasn't a part of my story but it is a part of my story Mm -hmm. so I've gotten to the point a year and a half out where I look back at pictures and I don't cringe I look back in pictures and I think wow like you had the opportunity Mm -hmm. to walk through that and it's the weirdest thing to even say but like in ways I feel grateful for it because it's built me in ways that the culture couldn't build me. My eating disorder couldn't build me. Instagram couldn't build me. Like I know and love myself more now after I've had this illness than I ever have. Mm -hmm. And maybe that comes from a lot of different experiences with Mm -hmm. walking through cancer, but also like, going to therapy and processing this when you took I mean when you said like it took everything away but it gave me everything it took everything you thought was important away for sure and it scared you Mm. in the sense that I assume that it gave you the threat if it was going to take away your life yeah exactly and so when you are faced and I can't answer this because I've never experienced Mm. this but when you, Mm -hmm. you are faced with something that is taking all the stuff away that you thought was so important Mm. that you're learning the hard way. Maybe this isn't, this isn't it. Mm. And then it's also threatening to take away your literal life. Like Mm. you don't know, Mm. like, did you, what was that like walking through that? Not knowing how things were going to turn out. I mean, you're here today, Mm -hmm. but you didn't know. No, I didn't. And there were a lot of ups and downs through that journey. And I journal a ton and Mm. I remember writing, the pain of facing your mortality at 28 is not normal Yeah, because I kind of lived my own quarantine last year, just going to whole foods or going to eat. I had to wear a mask and I had to like protect myself. And so, so like facing your mortality at 28, when all of your friends are going out doing concerts, living their life, like worried about boys texting, worried about boys texting. And I'm over here like really sick from chemo facing your mortality at 28 gave me a sense of purpose and a sense of newfound love for my life in a way that probably I thought would have come from getting married or having kids or Mm. having a house in a suburb where I'm so the secret of life is not getting married and doing the things that you thought were on your list. No. The secret of life is realizing that like, what? I have all I need. Yes, with, because of who you. I am. Yeah. yeah. And I think those things are added gifts, right? Like if I were to get mm-hmm. married, if I were to have a family, if mm-hmm. I were to live in a house or have something that I at one point in time thought that was the goal. But you weren't born to get married and move to no. suburbs. You were born to live a life. Exactly. And you are living. Exactly. I'm living now. And I think that's that's such a good point because it's like everything has shifted in my head in terms of like mm-hmm. my goals. Like I'm totally different in the way that I think about life, totally different in the way that I see people. Mm-hmm. I think everyone is suffering in some way yeah. and everyone's trying to figure it out. And so whether you're bald or you have hair <laughs> or like you're this size or that size or we're all just trying to figure out how to best live this life. So I met you in at a gym and mm-hmm. at a cycling studio. Were you were in mm-hmm. remission or you? Yes, had I was found in, out. Yeah, found I was in, out. So I had clear scans in June. Oh, okay. actually, no, I had clear scans in July. And then my gift to myself, because I really throughout the chemo process, everything about my life changed in terms mm-hmm. of with recovery. Like I love to move my body and but that looks different Mm -hmm. from my eating disorder. But throughout chemo, I didn't feel good enough to move my body. So when I finished chemo, I got my clear scans. I thought 
I, and I know Annie I'd seen on her Instagram, she was like an instructor at cycle bar. And I was like, that looks so fun. Like I just need to go. And so, yeah. So a gift to myself was I joined the that gym that you were working at. Gift? That was the gift to myself. But that sounds weird. No, it was not, it was mainly, not that okay. does not sound weird. Okay, I was going to say, does that, that sound sounds, weird? I was going to say, that's the coolest thing that well, your gift. I, mm. I, and I, I, I mean, I'm, it, not important for me to know that but I had what I was going to say is I had no idea that you had cancer when I met you like Mm -hmm. you we knew you as like Emily Riley was like the (laughs) smiley girl you're like this sweet smiley girl and you came in the mornings yeah the the early mornings yeah and I it wasn't until like we became friends on Instagram and I looked at your Instagram and I think that's when I found out I was like I had no idea I can be oblivious and Mm. I also like live in a world I try to try to live in the world I'm I'm a human but like oh yeah knowing my experience and the experience that I have with people in here, I'm not, ne- I don't try to assume anything. So I'm literally like take f- things for what I am I or for what that. they are. And then I saw your Instagram mm. and then I think we just were talking one day. Yeah, no, but yeah, um, we did talk one morning and I like, like 15 minutes yeah, of like probably. my story. I was like, I've never had a boyfriend. I'm 30. <laughs> and like, why I've had cancer. Like I literally just, yeah, I think you are one yeah. of those people that like you just invite people into your mm-hmm. life. And I don't even know how we got on that topic. But yeah, um, anyways, when you're going through something that your appearance changes, mm-hmm. like people talk and people talk to your face, too. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was in a store shopping and I had just shaved my head. It was like the Sunday after the Friday. And I had like a little hat on. And I mean, literally just doing my thing, like walking around probably tearful because I feel like after I shaved my head like the next three weeks I was just like tearful yeah and felt exposed and (laughs) this lady comes up to me I'm like literally going through the clothes and she like puts her hand on my back and she said I'm a survivor (laughs) and I did not know what to say because I was like first off like how did you know like you're assuming that and that also taught me not to assume because like she didn't know she just said like I'm a survivor I'm like I could just be like rocking this yeah yeah I could just be rocking this style and I just did not know what to say I was just like frozen and she went into her story and I was like thank you so much for sharing I did not even tell her my story I was just like thank you so much (laughs) I'm like thank you so much for sharing and then another thing which I think this shows of as you're going throughout this journey it it strengthens you in ways that you're not even aware of especially with like when people say things so Mm -hmm. I was at this engagement party for a friend and I was there with like a few of my girlfriends and we're all like standing in a circle and talking and chatting. And this man comes over and it was one of like the bride's family friends. Um, and I think there had been some like drinking. So I totally understand that his intentions were not at all to like hurt my feelings or anything like that. But, um, we're standing in a group and he's like, I've heard you guys are, so-and-so's friends and I want to hear more about what you guys do in Nashville and so we're like kind of in a semicircle and they're like I'm so-and-so and and I'm so-and-so and and I do this and I do that and then he gets to me and before I can even say anything he's like now what's happening here okay so you (laughs) they can't see what you did but she just like waved her hand like he was like (laughs) yes like what is happening here what And I just responded. I said, I'm actually going through cancer treatment. And then he ended up going into this. I think obviously he felt bad. Yes. But he went into this whole personal story of his own journey, which was nice. Probably overshared to like. Overshared to compensate. I understand in that moment you're trying to figure out how do I best respond now that I've like put myself in a hole. Because this was probably June and I was about to have my last chemo treatment. Mm -hmm. And it was almost like again, I was securing my identity enough to like not go in the bathroom and cry, Mm -hmm. even though like it did feel hurtful, but I was like, I'm going, literally I'm going through cancer treatment. And they were like the rest of the night, they're like, are you okay? Like, do you need to talk about anything? I'm like, I'm really okay. I think I'm obviously like sad that he said that, Mm -hmm. but I think as you're going throughout, I love, this is just off your, your, you saying about assumption. Mm -hmm. And how when you're talking to someone who's suffering or going through something, a lot of times we try, you try to share a story to like help from your own journey mm-hmm. to help them connect. And like, that's not helpful. A lot of times people out of the kindness of their heart, they'd be like, oh my gosh, I know someone who had the same cancer as you and they're doing so well now. And it's like, 
I'm bald and laying in bed. I don't know what my story's going to be. I don't know what my story's going to be. And so I think I loved how you just say, like mm-hmm. going back to what your comment was about assuming things about people and mm-hmm. like wanting to connect with others. Like he was trying to connect with me once he said something that he probably shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. But rather than what would you want him to say after that? Like what would have been better than like, oh, let me tell you about my personal journey. Yeah. I think you can always, or he could have said like, that's amazing. You're kicking ass, Mm -hmm. you know, or something like that. Because I think when people try to compare and contrast stories, you feel very, you feel invisible Mm -hmm. because. Wait, did you not hear me? I just said that I'm going through cancer treatment. Yeah. Yeah. And then he like, it became about him. Mm -hmm. And that's not a bad thing because like we're humans and we want it to be about us a lot of times. But I felt so invisible. And I'm like, okay, like I just told you this hard thing. And obviously he was overcompensating for, Mm -hmm. I think what he said, but just like those little things or people would be like, you make cancer look easy. And that's again, a Mm -hmm. social media thing. Right. So I was putting pictures of me with like chemo being infused in my body and like a thumbs up and smiling and no one knew that like people were holding me up trying to take that picture. And no one knew that like I was standing up and laying right back down in the bed or that like I would get home from chemo and sleep for 12 hours. Like you see things about people's stories, right. That you probably saw when you first got to know me and you're like, Oh, like wait, she had cancer. You perceive something Mm -hmm. of like, Oh wow. Like this is her journey. Mm -hmm. But like just those intricate details Mm -hmm. of like what I'm sharing right now, it's like, Mm -hmm it's so different. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and that speaks to like, no, anybody's story, no matter what it is. It's, I thought you were just a girl that walked in with short hair. Right. I didn't know right. that right. seven months that had gone on before. Yeah. And yeah. so that is just a piece of information of like, you never know. And so mm-hmm. just be like, really give everybody the benefit of the doubt until they prove you otherwise. Yes. You were known as somebody like there are people that you, cause you can see who's in the class. There are people that you see in the class and you're like, Oh, I'm so glad she's going to be there. Mm. I swear to God, I would walk Cat. in and I'd be like, Emily Riley's coming. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh and my so gosh. Like, it wasn't about your blonde hair. Yeah. Like, I don't think you had blonde mm. hair. I thought it was brown. No, it was, it came out dark. Okay. And this is the, this is definitely like color. Okay. Now. <laughs> yeah. Cause so it, it came like, out darker. But I, I like, didn't, okay. like, there was no, nothing in me that cared yeah. about that. And I don't think anybody else in that place either mm-hmm. and that place I think was a very special it is I just don't work there anymore sure. <laughs> it's a very special place yeah but like I didn't see any of the stuff that you yeah. thought defined you and made you like a worthy person mm. I think that should speak volumes and I want us to be able to like take that as truth I think you have a cool story mm. and for you to be able to share of course we still struggle with stuff like oh it's hard it's also hard to be single yeah. in your late twenties, early thirties. Like of that's hard. Course. Yeah. And so we're saying all this stuff and it's like, not oh, that yeah. like I life is rainbows. No, I have not figured it out. Like I told you when I walked in, like I need to go to therapy. <laughs> like I'm going to be going probably yeah. at the end of this week. And I still have stuff like mm-hmm. apart from cancer, like I'm human. I still have bad days. I still have really hard days. I love it. Well, thank you so much. This was I feel wonderful. like I was all over the place. No, that was wonderful. <laughs> okay. I mean, I could sit here and talk. I could I know, ask I could a million more questions. You. I know. I feel like but, to um, say everything like goal wise for I this didn't really episode. Ha- okay. I don't. I just am like, let's just see what's going to happen. Such a good conversation. Again, I am so grateful that Emily agreed to come on and share her story with us. I think this is one of the first times she shared it from like start to finish with all that she did. And so I appreciate her rawness and the realness that came out. I think we got it in there, but she's cancer free and she's healthy. And we're grateful for that because I think that her story is going to resonate with a lot of people. So thank you, Emily. Uh, Before we go, I want to remind you guys to follow at you need therapy podcast and at cat dot defada k-a-t is how i spell cat um and then remember to go to the store so we released um or go to the website we released all new merch on the store which you guys can go and purchase it was pre-ordered but now it's just regular ordered so if you ordered anything and you're like where's my stuff you pre-ordered stuff so now we are going to send those orders out in the next week so expect those kind of soon anyway i'm again tired because I'm recording this. It's almost 11 p.m. <laughs> and if you know me, I'm a grandmother. So I need to go to sleep. But 
I hope you guys have a wonderful week and I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will talk to you in two weeks. During the Right Rug Flooring Hello Summer Sale, you'll find savings throughout the store, all backed by the right price guarantee, including carpet with a lifetime stain warranty, only $159 installed with pad. That's right, $159 includes expert installation as soon as tomorrow. Visit rightrug.com, R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com to find a showroom near you or schedule a free in-home shopping appointment. Say hello to summer and save. Right Rug Flooring, right here, right now. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And. Hmm. Not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.